All right, well, let's turn the Word of God to 1 John. Of course, we've been going through 1 John the last uh, couple of weeks here, so we're in chapter 2 of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, and we'll read verses 3 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Say this in the Word of God. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Verse 6, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we thank you for watching over us another week. And Lord, just being good and merciful and gracious. And Lord, just all together lovely. And Lord, we uh, just uh, want to say this morning, dear God, that uh, Lord, we're glad to be in the house of God. Lord, we're glad to be gathered together. Lord, we're glad to uh, sing songs, uh, dear God, that turn our heart and mind towards you. Lord, I pray as we... Uh, uh, look at the Word of God here. Help the things of earth just to go strangely dim. Lord, help us to be focused. And Lord, just uh, uh, Lord, say at this moment right now, Lord, we want the Word of God and the Spirit of God to have its way in our hearts, whatever that need might be. Lord, if there's a need of salvation of somebody listening in or somebody here, uh, dear God, that Lord, you'd work in that heart today. Or Lord, if there's somebody that's gotten a, a sidetrack, God, that you'd work in that heart. And uh, Lord, help them uh, to get back in their proper place. And Lord, those that have just uh, uh, stayed faithful, Lord, just give them what they need to keep on keeping on. And God, we do pray, uh, Lord, again for the sick among us, Lord, and uh, that you'd uh, touch them, uh, dear God, and uh, heal them. Uh, Lord, those that have had loved ones uh, pass, please, God, give them the grace and uh, 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 Lord God, mercy that they need at this time. And uh, Lord, watch over those that are traveling as well. And again, Lord, we just thank you for being a good God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, uh, just to mention as we have uh, about 1 John, and uh, well, maybe I'll just ask, uh, anybody remember when was 1 John written? Around what time? 90 A.D., 90 A.D., and uh, of course, uh, this book is a reminder that Christ, of course, in every generation is as real, close, and intimate as he was then, and that we can enjoy his fellowship the same even in our generation, right? And uh, just a reminder, this book touches on four important areas for the child of God. As we've mentioned before, again, one, he warns believers concerning indifference to morality and sin. We never want to be uh, <laughs> indifferent to that. Of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, listen, uh, everybody, the, you know, the problem in America isn't that everybody, isn't just that everybody's doing it. The problem in America is that people really don't care who's doing it, too, you see. So it's not just that, hey, you know, you have to uh, be doing what everybody's doing, that you have to not care. I'm like, hey, wow, what's the big deal? It's not affecting me, right? And so we don't want to be indifferent to immorality and sin. And then he admonishes believers concerning, of course, the love for the things of the world versus the love for the things of God. We'll see that later in this book. And then, of course, then John teaches the importance of the believer exhibiting a pure and righteous love. 
especially concerning one another. And then, of course, that uh, true faith in Christ, right, really believing that Christ is the Son of God, is the foundation on which all Christianity is based. And then, as we'll see here in these verses, and also other verses later in the book, that uh, 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 the, the message about the believer's blessed assurance. Thank God we can have blessed assurance concerning our salvation. And these verses uh, mention that. Notice uh, uh, the word no is repeated several times. Notice in each group of verses that we've looked at, that in that group of verses, there was something that was repeated several times. Right in in the first uh, in John chapter one, the first verses that word that kept being repeated, and then uh, 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 and then in the other few verses, and here the word no is repeated again as we look at these verses. Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse four: He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And verse 5, And whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So we see that word know is repeated several times in just a few verses. And of course that word know means in the completed sense. A completed action, right? <laughs> right? And, and nothing else has to be added to it. In other words, I, I, I know that I know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, and I know that I'm saved. And uh, I don't need anything else to convince me of that. Amen? I have that. So, and, and, and having that knowledge, that completed knowledge, and that's what brings peace, joy, and assurance to the believer. It says, we do know that we know him. You know, it is an amazing, wonderful thing that men can know their creator. And it's a wonderful thing to say, I know. You know, I was uh, uh, watching a, a, a show the other night, and it was about these nine scientists, uh, you know, in different areas, you know, uh, physics and uh, microbiology and all these things. And how it started out is it showed you one scientist and uh, something about their field, and then they would travel, example, a scientist number one that showed you something about scientist number one. And the scientist number one traveled somewhere in the world to visit scientist number two, then it talked about their field. And then number two would travel somewhere to meet scientist number three, and it sort of went on like that. But the amazing thing to me was, you know, of course I could tell these people, you know, were brainiacs, right? And they knew a lot about their field. But what amazed me wasn't what they knew about their field, right? It's what they admitted they didn't know. They said, well, we know this and that. But, you know, in each field, they said, but there's this one little thing we can't figure out. There's this one little thing that we can figure out. You know, and, what, and I thought to myself, what's amazing is they use all about they use all the knowledge they do know to try and reject God and say there's no God. But then they have to admit, there's, you know, there's this one thing we don't know. And they, well, we say that's the God factor. You know? They'll never be able to close. Listen, I don't care what field they're in. They're, they had to admit there's this, they couldn't close the gap. In every field, as smart as they were with all this technology and everything else, whether it was uh, uh, having these telescopes tear out the space and these things, out way as far as they could in space, or whether it was under, whether it was through a telescope or a microscope, or going down into the sea and all those things, right? They had to admit it. There's just, you know, we just things we can't figure out. And listen, you know, God, God, 
And, uh, but you know what? Uh, uh, you know, I'll probably never be as smart as them, but hey, you know, it's amazing the time and money that could be saved if people would just believe the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning God. And people would just believe that first verse in the Bible. But thank God that we know there's a God and that we know that we can have a personal relationship with that God. And so these verses uh, encourage us towards that. And of course, again, it says in verse one, hereby, look at this, notice the statement, we do know that we know him. We do know that we know him. You know what? We want everyone we want everyone in the world to be able to say that, right? We do know that we know him. Not just from a head knowledge, not just from a head knowledge, but from a biblically based heart knowledge. That's how we want people to know God. So we asked the question this morning, on what level do you know the Lord Jesus Christ. On what level do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him or just about him? Do you know him or just about him? Turn over to John chapter one for a moment. And we see some people that were introduced uh, to Jesus Christ. John chapter one. We'll read verses 35 through 30 through, through 41. Genesis 30. John chapter one, verses 35 through 41. John chapter 1, beginning of verse 35 says, Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and look at this, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, talking about John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them, following and saith unto them, Whom seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And again, Christ isn't Jesus' name, it's his title, the Messiah. And so at the beginning of this verse, they knew about Jesus. John, uh, 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 John the Baptist said, oh, hey, there's Jesus. So they knew about him. They sort of knew who he was in that sense, right? They knew about his person. But thank God, by the end of these verses, they know him. Amen. Uh, they, they, I believe they, they came to know him. You see, verse 37, they were pointed to Jesus, so they began to follow him. And of course, the best life is the life that follows Jesus. Then they followed him. Then they dwell with him. And then Jesus said, come. Amen. Jesus always has an open invitation for people to come with him. And by verse, uh, uh, verse 42 says this. Andrew, he brought his brother. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And of course, when Andrew understood who he was, he brought his brother to Jesus. And so it's always a joy to bring somebody else to Jesus, but especially a loved one, amen, uh, to bring to Jesus. So, uh, uh, and so by leaving, amen, John the Baptist, and, and, and abiding with Christ, what happened? Their lives were changed. John became the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then we see that Andrew became a soul winner. Amen. Telling others and bringing others to Jesus. So let's look at these verses. 
verse uh, 3, back in John chapter 2. So my first question this morning is, do you have evidence of a changed life? Do you have evidence of a changed life? You know, we know him, but how do we know that we know him? Well, verse 3, notice that second word says, hereby, hereby. This word is also in verse 5, hereby know we that we are in him. And so uh, hereby, what is, that, what is that word saying? Hereby, what it's saying is, listen, this is the evidence in us. This is the evidence in us that we have believed the evidence concerning Jesus Christ. You see, we were given evidence concerning Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. Amen. Hey, right there's the Lamb of God. Right there's the one that can take away your sin. Right there's the one that can change your life. You see, the evidence was presented to us. We believed on that evidence. And now you know what? There's evidence in us that we've believed on that evidence. And so we know. We have that completed knowledge. Amen. Uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, John, uh, remember John the Baptist, speaking of John the Baptist, remember he was in prison. He got, he got, uh, 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 you know, uh, he doubted a little bit. He said, hey, are you him or do we look for another? You know, and uh, John, Jesus reassured him, hey, you don't have to look anywhere else. Hey, once you've come to Jesus, you don't have to look for another. Once you come to Jesus, you can know you have found the one that you've been looking for and needed, and there's no one else that you need to look to, and you can have that assurance. We, it says, it, this verse is showing us that, listen, there's evidence, and by this evidence, these are the means by which we can discern His grace has been bestowed in our lives. His grace has been bestowed in our lives. And what is some of that evidence? Look at verse 3. If we keep His commandments. If we keep His commandments. Now, we don't keep His commandments to get saved. But hey, once we get saved, there should be a change in our life. That word keep means to fulfill a duty, to perform watchfully. You see, the Bible tells us when we get saved, we should what? Desire the seal miracle of the word. And then as we desire that word and get into that word and that word gets in us, amen, we should say, hey, hey, this Bible is telling me that I need to get some things out of my life. This Bible is telling me I need to put some things in my life, amen. This Bible, uh, and it begins to work on us. And so keep, you see, we as believers should have a heart's acceptance of and a will to follow God's commandments. God puts that in us when we get saved. When we get saved, the Bible clearly teaches a gospel that changes lives, changes desires, and changes directions. I was talking to somebody the other day, hey, about coming to the house of God. Hey, I, I remember clearly after I got saved, man, I'm, it's, I was sitting in my apartment one day and it's like it just hit me. Hey, you know what? I need to purpose that no matter what happens in my life, I am going to be in the house of God. I remember purposing that in my heart as a new believer that, hey, listen, uh, uh, I may have good days. Uh, I may have bad days. I may have days where I don't feel like going to church or I may feel not feel like I, uh, I wish I felt. But you know what? Something just said to me as a young believer that if I would just purpose in my heart that no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on in my life at that time, if I'll just be faithful to the house of God, everything will work out. 
Oh, I, I know what got me thinking about it. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day about uh, uh, they were going through some things and about being in the house of God. And I said, I don't understand uh, people not having a desire just to be in the house of God once they're saved, because that's the only place. Uh, listen, uh, if you're right with God, hey, why would you want to be somewhere else besides the house of God? If you're not right with God, why wouldn't you want to go to the house of God? Because that's the place where you can get the help that you need. You see, we have it in the Bible tells us that and we should have that desire. You see, if there's not a desire for obedience, if you say you're saved and there's not a desire for obedience, something is wrong. Something is wrong. These verses show us that. You see, it's not about if you are perfect, but it's about are you pursuing? So my question isn't, are you perfect this morning? But my question is, are you pursuing, amen, the right things? Are you pursuing a life according to uh, the word of God? You know, can a, can a person be saved? This is the question. Can a person be saved and live in disobedience to God and never be bothered by it? Can a person, I'm going to say that again. Can a person be saved? And live in disobedience to God and never be bothered by it. I would have to say no, not according to the word of God, not according to uh, uh, the word of God. If they're truly a child of God, well, Hebrews 12 teaches us that and other verses in the word of God. Hey, I don't understand how people can say they're saved and never have a desire uh, 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 to witness to people and never have a desire to live God, never have a desire to get certain things out of their life. I don't know. Hey, hey, I tell you all the time, we all know how to do stupid. Do, hey, I've been saved 30 something years. Do, do I still do stupid? Yes. But you know what? I get convicted, right? Or, or the Holy Spirit deals with me or the Word of God uh, uh, deals with me about that. I said, I don't see how people can just keep going on. Something doesn't make sense. Something doesn't line up, you see. And the Word of God makes that clear. And so can a child of God continue in sin and never be convicted and have a desire to repent? I don't believe so. I don't believe so, according to the word of God, because if a person truly knows the Lord, there should be certain desires in their life. Turn over to Colossians chapter one and, and notice what it says about our Lord here. Colossians chapter one, verses beginning in verse 14 says this about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Look at this. Look what it says about him. Verse 15, Colossians 1, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, now this is talking about Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Well, I was thinking about uh, those scientists uh, that I watched the other day and this guy went out and they went out to this uh, telescope on top of this mountain. I forget how many thousand feet it was up in Hawaii, right? And, and, and that it was just, it was a perfect, one of the best spots on earth, amen, to view things. And, I, and they were just talking about all the things that they saw and this and that. And boy, I, 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 I'd, 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 I'd love to go up there. And I said, hey, do you mind if I look at that telescope? I just want to, I just want to see how much I can see of what my God made in six 24 hours days, amen? 
I just want to see more of what my God made in those six 24-hour days. I know they look at me like I was crazy, but that's all they're seeing, more there. Who, what by him all things created, they're in heaven and they're in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and notice this, for him, for him. Everything they see when they look through that telescope, every galaxy they discover was, is there for him and made by him. And look at verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You see, not only did he make all things, but things stay in their place, and things continue to exist, and everything can, can send, uh, continues to operate properly by him. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That all things not only includes all that creation out there, not only includes the church, but in your life. Your life, he is to have the preeminence in your life. That means first place, nobody comes before him. Now let me ask this question. How does someone this big... And this powerful and this wonderful step into a life and there be no change. It doesn't make sense. How can someone this big, this powerful, this wonderful step into a life and there not be a change, not be a desire to live for him? It doesn't make sense. We should have that desire like the Apostle Paul that said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said that I might know him, and then you hear and, and, and. That's how it should be uh, in our Christian life. Man, I got saved. I know I'm saved. You know what? And, and, and. You know what? I want to keep adding all the things to my Christian life. I want to keep adding to my knowledge of him. I want to keep adding... Amen. Uh, to know more about him. So uh, I, I, I ask you this morning, is there evidence in your life? There should be clear evidence in your life. If you say that you're saved, amen, there ought to be evidence. You ought to be able to say, verse three, if we keep his commandments, you have a desire to live a life according to the word of God. So I, verse four. So here's the next question. Are you living a lie? Are you living a lie? Look at verse four. He that saith, he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments. You know what? He's a liar. He is a liar. And you know what? The truth is not in him. God said that. God said, if you do not see this, if you're claiming to be saved, if you're claiming to be one of my children and you don't see that evidence, but yet you're running around telling people you're one of my children, you're a liar. God is calling you a liar or that person a liar. He that saith, you see, those that claim. People claim a lot of things, but that doesn't make it so. You know, one day some people are going to make some bold claims before the Lord. But of course, it's going to be revealed that they had lived a lie. You know these verses, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, saith. Words are cheap. Words are cheap. But he that what? Doeth the will of my Father. That goes right along with that. Keepeth his commandments. Doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And look at this. Then will I profess to them, look, I never knew you. The truth was never in you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in iniquity. If he never knew them, then that means the truth was never in them. So I ask you this morning, listen, are, do, you just have, do you just have a head knowledge or do you know that you have a Bible-based, life-changing knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? He gives some more evidences here. Verse 5, but here you go. But whoso keepeth, you see, whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby again, we know that we are in him. If you'll notice, there's a progression here. You see, here's the question. Is God's love reaching its goal in your life? That word perfected, notice that what it says. The love of God is the love of God perfected. That word perfected means uh, to reach an intended goal, to finish a work. You see, God has an intended goal in your life when he saved you. He has a work that he has started in your life. Philippians 1, 6, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of uh, redemption. Well, if somebody's doing a work, you expect to be progress, there to be progress, right? If you ask somebody to build a house for you, and, uh, you know, about a month later, they say, they say, well, hey, how are things going? I said, oh, well, I've been out there working for about a month. But you go out there and all you see is a cleared field. You're like, oh, well, hey, something's not making sense here. I expect to see progress. So you say you're saved. You say God's working your life. There should be progress of a changed life of things going on in your life. That word keepeth means those that do, those that accept and yield to the word of God. Notice again that verse, but whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Well, if the love of God is in you, well, you're going to love what God loves. You're going to, again, you're going to love, amen, you're going to love his son. You're going to love the word of God. You're going to love the house of God. You're going to love the people of God. You're going to love the souls of men. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be affected, amen, by, by things that are going on. Let me give you this. To the degree we keep the word, to the, to the degree that we keep the word, to that degree we will know God. That is, uh, uh, draw closer to him more personally. To that degree we will know God more personally. And to that degree we will love God and come to maturity and perfection. You see, as we, as we live according to the word of God, as we uh, are guided by the spirit of God, as the love of God has its rule and reign in our heart, amen, he's pushing us towards that goal of being more like Jesus. And so we look at our life, we say, man, do I, do I see the evidence? Do I see that I have a desire to live for the word of God? Do I see, amen, my person changing? Do I see my personality uh, 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 changing, amen? My, my, uh, my love for people, my love for the things of God. You see, you see that change taking place in your life. And uh, God's through God's word, through God's love, being active in your life. Verse 6, as we finish up. He that, here it is again. He that saith, he abideth in him. Notice the statement ought himself also to walk 
even as he walked. You see, as you begin to walk according to the word of God, as the love of God, as you begin to be active according to the word of God, and the love of God is active in you, then you'll notice what? You're becoming Christ-like, which is that's what a Christian means. Christ-like. You'll be walking more like him. So notice the progression. In verse 3 it said, we know him. That's knowledge. Verse 5 talks about being in him. Amen? Fellowship. And then verse 6 talks about abideth him. That is a constancy, a consistency of abiding, which brings closeness, right? I mean, you, you know, uh, 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 men or ladies, when, uh, uh, you know, you're married, but hey, listen, what happened? You met someone, right? And then you began to spend time with them and you got a, a knowledge and then you liked uh, the fellowship and you began to have uh, more fellowship. And then what? There became a closeness. Amen. Uh, spend more more time together. So we know him. Amen. We fellowship with him. And boy, we just want to come and abide with him constantly and consistently. And what ought to be the result? We ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Now you say, well, how did he walk? Well, well, I know he walked on water. Well, he didn't. Yeah, he did walk on water. But here's the thing. Everyone knows Christ walked in the wa on the water. But is that where he always walked? Did he walk on the water every day? No, he didn't walk on the water every day. That was just a miraculous moment. Amen. That happened in his life. The majority of the time what did he, that he walked on earth, he was what? The majority of his walk on earth was just about being consistent to do the Father's will on a daily basis. The majority, we, we like talking about the miracles. Oh man, he walked on water, wow. Oh wow, he turned the water into wine. Oh wow, he fed the 5,000. Sure, we see those miraculous moments, but the majority of Christ's life, what did he say in, when he was 12 years old? Know you not that I must be about my Father's business? The majority of Christ's life on earth was just about on a daily basis, consistently walking in the Father's will on a daily basis. So what, which is what our Christian life should be. Our Christian life, right? You know, people, people want to be super Christians. Man, uh, every day I go out to that lake, I'm still trying, 34 years I've been trying to walk on that water. <laughs> Listen, no, which is what our Christian life should be. Our, our, our Christian life is just a con, being consistent on a daily basis. Now, hopefully there'll be a few miraculous moments thrown in. We'd like a few miraculous uh, moments. Uh, I think I've seen a few miraculous things. Now, I haven't walked on the water yet. Amen. Uh, I don't plan on trying that soon, but that'd be fun. But hey, but do I look back and I just see a consistent life of trying to be in the Father's will and do the Father's will and live according to the Word of God and let the love of God have its way in my life on a daily basis. Again, walking on water like Peter did also, that might give you a good story to tell. We all like a good story to tell. Amen. I, I mean, I like telling a good story once in a while, right? It's fun to, it's fun to tell stories, but it's the daily grind of faithfulness it's the daily grind of faithfulness is what allows us to leave a good, godly legacy behind. Hey, it's nice if we have some things, but I like speaking to John the Baptist again. What it say about what, what I love what it says about John the Baptist. And what does it say? He did no miracles, but what he said about Jesus was true. Hey, it'd be nice if we had a few miraculous moments that we could tell stories, you know, to the grandkids or friends. That that would be nice. 
But hey, if, if, if we could just end our life and somebody could come by our cask and say, well, you know, uh, he did no miracles, but boy, he sure told the truth about Jesus or she still told the truth. Uh, she sure told the truth about Jesus. Boy, it doesn't get any better than that. That's about the best uh, legacy you can leave behind that wherever you went, amen, you told somebody the truth about Jesus and you were a witness for him. And that's so when you, when you think about, oh, I can't walk like Jesus. Well, see, the devil tried to get you focused on those miracle moments. Oh, I can never do that. He's, that's not what he's asking you to do. He's just asking you to live like him on a consistent daily basis. Just do the Father's will for your life on a consistent basis. That's how you walk like him. So in conclusion, what? Praise the Lord. We can know. We can know, and ours should be a living, growing knowledge, amen, in our relationship with God. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want the knowledge of Him as we seek to walk according to the Word of God, as we seek to grow in the knowledge of Him. Here's what we want. We want the knowledge of Him to be so real in our lives as to penetrate our character and our personality and make obedience to him just an instinctive response. It should just be, it should just be an automatic in our life. When God comes by and says, do this, or uh, the word of God says, do this, there shouldn't even be a matter of discussion. It should just be, yes, Lord. Hey, when I got saved, when I, when I, when I got saved and started going to church, oh, believe me, I was a lot, I was a lot different. You think I'm bad now. Whew. Just be glad you didn't know me when I first got saved. You know, I'd go in there and the church and I, I'd wear, I wore, I mean, not saying nothing about wearing this. I'm just talking about myself here. You know, I wore, I wore uh, uh, jeans and probably one of them uh, Izod shirts. And I, I'd sit there, you know, I, man, I didn't have no eyes. I was like, you know, just listening. But I'd see people in suits. I'm like, never catch me in one of those. Not me. I'm just not a suit guy. You know, and again, not that it's about wearing a suit, but I'm just talking about, you know, uh, but then I, my, my pastor began to preach and then I'd say, oh, OK, that's what I got to do. Oh, that's what I got to stop doing. Oh, that's what I got to do. And that's just how that's just, I, you know, uh, I just said, oh, is that what I got to do? Then I'd go and I'd try and practice that week. Boy, whatever my pastor preached on Sunday, that's all them soldiers heard in the barracks uh, uh, that week. Amen. I'd go in and, and, and let them have it. And boy, the next thing you know, you know, my, my life had changed. And then a couple years later, after I was around soldiers that only knew me since I got saved, they never saw what I was like before that. You know, they'd come up and yeah, I've told you about it. They'd come up and say, hey, Sean Stewart, when's the last time you sinned? And I was shocked that somebody would say that to me. And of course, I'd say, I don't know, sometime this morning, I guess, you know, I wouldn't try to act like it wasn't something I went. But, you know, but there was a, that, that change, that change. You see, and so there, you got to look at your life and you say, hey, is there a change? What change do I see in my life? What desires do I see in my life? Amen. Do, do I see his love? Amen. Having an effect on my life. Do, so do I, how do, do I know these things? Verse three, hereby we know this is the evidence that I've believed the evidence. So when you when you when you look in your life, Right. You say, well, I know I'm saved because on a particular day. Right. We know that. We know that's how you got saved. Right. Well, I know not. I see. I know I'm saved because on May 19th, 1987, I repented of my sins and 
put my trust in the death, burial, and resurrection, shed blood of Jesus Christ. I know that's when I got saved. But I'm, I'm glad, but here's the thing. I'm glad I don't have to go back 30-something years to prove it. You know what I'm saying? I look back over 34 years, and you know what I see? I see a changed life. I don't see a perfect guy, but I see a pursuing guy. Amen? Pursuing the will of God for my life on a daily basis. Having a desire. Having a desire. Every morning I get up, and what do I do? I'm right. Every morning I get up, I'm in the Word. Every morning I get up, uh, I, I'm in prayer every morning. Uh, you know, I long to be around the things of God. I enjoy being around uh, the people of God. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, listen, I'm telling you stuff, but don't think I'm bragging because it has nothing to do with Jeff Stewart. I'm just telling you what Jesus Christ did in Jeff Stewart's life. It's all him. He did it all. He did it all and he's doing it all. But here's the thing. He did it. And the evidence is there. And so you should be able to look at your life and say, the evidence is there according to the word of God. He saith means nothing. It means nothing. Amen. Unless you can see the evidence. And so this isn't, you say, and this is, this is the Bible saying this. The Bible is saying there should be evidence in your life that a change has taken place. And if there's not evidence in your life that a change has taken place, you might want to check up and make sure that you're not just saying, amen, that it's not just a profession, that indeed you have a possession. Well, I'd hate, I'd hate to get up to the seat and him say, well, I never knew you. Well, that'd be, a, that'd be a sad and terrible day. Hey, listen, I know that he knows him. I like what it says in Galatians 4, not just that you know him, but that what, not just that you know God is in Galatians 4, 19, but that you are known of God. Hey, I'm glad I know God and I'm glad I'm known of God. And the evidence is there. And so, listen, here, it basically it says this, our conduct should give evidence of our conversion. Our conduct should give evidence of our conversion. We don't get converted by conduct, but once we're converted, converted, there should be a certain conduct in our life. So abiding like the branch attached to the vine, just remaining in the place where it belongs. And as long as it does, it produces what it's supposed to produce. So I ask you this morning, do you know that the truth is in you? Or do you have to admit, no, I've been living a lie. But today, amen, today I want to get that right and begin uh, uh, to live uh, according. Today, I want to get saved. Today, I want to know. You can know today. So if you don't know today, the great thing is you can know today. Today, you can turn that question mark of doubt into an exclamation mark of assurance. So look to the Word of God. Look in that mirror, right? Look into this mirror, and what do you see? Do you see, amen, what you should see? Or, amen, are you shocked and say, well, what I see doesn't line up with the Word of God, and so I need to make a decision. Let's pray.